When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Bowling Green earns National Team of the Week honors with its shocking win at Georgia Tech. And now they hope to carry the success into Mid-American Conference play this week at Miami. We'll talk about all of that coming up on the Ziggy Cast. Brought to you by SeatGeek. This is the BGSU Ziggy Cast from Learfield. Your home for Falcons updates, interviews, previews, and highlights. Now, here is your host, Todd Walker. Welcome into another edition of the Ziggy Cast. And my, oh my, have the fortunes of BGSU football taken a turn for the better after the very impressive and improbable win at Georgia Tech. Bowling Green looks to ride that momentum back into the conference as they visit Miami this week. We're set to relive the thrilling win in Atlanta with post-game radio highlights. Also, Coach Leffler's post-game press conference and a talk in the locker room. Also, I'll check in with my broadcast partner, John Gibson, get his thoughts on all of this. Plus, a couple of our players, Connor Bazelak and Anthony Hawkins, will join the pod. And we will talk Miami football with Terry Bridge, from the Red Hawks radio crew. We'll get into the highlights from last week coming up after this for Seat Geek. Seat Geek's the ticketing app for fans like the sideline shot caller. Come on, boys, pick up the pace. Seat Geek got him a great deal on seats right near the action, so when he yells, he can be absolutely sure the players heard him. SeatGeek handles the tickets to sports, concerts, and more, so fans can fan. We review Saturday's win over Georgia Tech now, listening back to the radio highlights. It didn't start well. BG kicked off to Georgia Tech, and a 43-yard kickoff return set them up at the 47 and the first play of the game. A 53-yard touchdown pass made it 7-0. Falcons got a couple of first downs on their initial drive, but had to punt. Jackson Cleather punted it away, and the Yellow Jackets took over at their own 29. And zip, 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 five plays, 71 yards. They had a 14-0 lead. At this point, Bowling Green had been outscored 76-7, tracking back to the first half of the Michigan game through to that point. But they would start to turn it around on the next possession. They converted a third and one, and then on first and 10 from their own 42, Bowling Green started to feed the beast, the bully, known as Terry on Stewart. 
Here is the handoff inside to Terion Stewart. Slips, but put his hand down and now has room up the middle. Steps out of oh, a wow. tackle, spinning. Terion Stewart inside the 30, down to the 28 of the Yellow Jackets. Make it the 26. Terion Stewart doing Terion Stewart things. My goodness. What a run by Terion Stewart down to the Georgia Tech 26-yard line, 32-yard run. What can you say about Terion Stewart? He just keeps doing spectacular things. It's one of those guys, I, I just want to feed Terion. I want to see what he can do if you give him 25 carries in the game. Well, Gibby would get his wish as Stewart would end up with 26 carries on the game. And we'll hear some more about that coming up. The Bowling Green drive continued. A big third down conversion on a 10-yard pass to O.J. Hilaire. Converted third and 10 to first and 10 at the Georgia Tech 16. Then Cam Orth came into the game. He ran for three, ran for 11, and then was thrown for a loss on first and goal at the two. But a personal foul face mask on Georgia Tech gave Bowling Green first and goal at the one. And this time, Camden Orth would get across the goal line. Orth has Stewart with him. Keeps it. Orth up the middle, and he's hit hard. He spins, fighting, leaning, scoring. Touchdown, BGSU. Camden Orth could not be stopped close to the goal line. He got knocked around, but he spun and he fought and he crossed the goal line. And Bowling Green gets in for good this time, 14-6 Georgia Tech. So Bowling Green's offense started to get things figured out. It was time for the defense to do the same. On Georgia Tech's third possession, they went three and out. And the Falcons would take over with good field position at their own 42-yard line. And after converting one first down, BG would have to punt the football early in the second quarter. And a touchback gave Tech the ball at the 20-yard line, but they went three and out again. And Bowling Green would put together another scoring drive. 11 plays, 42 yards. The Falcons would settle for an Allen Anaya field goal. And with 8.27 to go in the half, it was 14-10 Georgia Tech. And Bowling Green had started to monopolize the time of possession, and its defense had figured things out, and was well-rested. On the next Tech possession, their first play was a 15-yard run, but then three downs and out, and Bowling Green had the ball again, and this time it came in Georgia Tech territory thanks to a big mistake by the long snapper. They snap it off one of the up men, and Bowling Green's going to get great field position. Falcons fall on it at the Georgia Tech 40. That hit one of the up men. I, think I don't that's know Finn if Hogan. he... Yeah, it doesn't really matter who recovered it because Bowling Green was getting the ball, but it was Finn Hogan. I'm not sure if somebody missed the fake call or if that was just a horrible snap. I'm not sure. What, I, I got to guess somebody missed the fake call. I, I don't think it was a fake call. I think somebody, I think it was one of those situations just where guys were lined up improperly. The center can't see where he's got to snap the ball to. So that's, co that's totally on the up men to get out of the way. Whatever caused it, Bowling Green was uh, more than happy to take advantage. And with the short field, the Falcons would put together a touchdown drive. They converted fourth and seven at the Georgia Tech 37 on a 10-yard pass to Austin Osborne and then overcame a personal foul on first down that made it second and 17. Terion Stewart, a 12-yard run on the ensuing third and nine, got the Falcons to the Georgia Tech 14-yard line. But after a rush for zero and an incomplete pass, it was third and goal. And BG came up with a spectacular play that was on all the highlight reels and highlight shows and social media feeds as soon as it happened. Bazelak has the snap. Blitz comes. He gives ground. He throws off his back foot. End zone. One hand grab. Finn Hogan's got a touchdown. BGSU. Are you kidding me? Finn Hogan, his first Bowling Green touchdown is spectacular, and Bowling Green leads at 16-14. to 14. How about that? Spectacular indeed, and Bowling Green had the lead for the first time, and they would not give it back. Although it looked like Georgia Tech was going to take it back on the ensuing drive, they had first and 10 at the Bowling Green 21-yard line. However, a sack by Billy Roberts on second down eventually got it to third and 14, when Haynes King was called for intentional grounding as he was being hurried and sacked by Chase Davis, that took Tech out of field goal range. They punted to the Falcons, who took a knee to run out the time and headed to the locker room up 17-14. to 14. 
The second half kickoff would come to Bowling Green and they would waste no time boosting the lead to two scores. On the first play from scrimmage following the touchback, it was Finn Hogan coming up with yet another big play. Bazelak brings Odu Hilaire in motion left to right. Hands off to Stewart. Nope. Takes it and passes it to Finn Hogan. And all kinds of room right side. Finn Hogan midfield. 40, 30, down to the 26-yard line. Finn Hogan making big plays today in the ATL. And a few plays later, quarterback Connor Bazelak would cash it in. Hilaire and Ibrahim wide left. Bazelak in the gun on the right half. Stewart with him. Second and goal at the one. Got man-to-man -man coverage on both receivers. Hand off to Stewart. Nope. Pull it down. Bazelak touchdown. BGSU. Connor Bazelak with the one-yard run. And with 11.33 to go third quarter, Bowling Green has indeed made it a two-score lead. It's 23-14 Orange and Brown. So now with a two-score lead for the first time, BG's defense would take the field for Georgia Tech's initial second-half possession. And Tech started to move the ball, converting three first downs. They reached the Bowling Green 14, third and one. And BG came up with a stop. And then Georgia Tech stepped up to the line as if to go for it on fourth down and ultimately called a timeout. After the timeout, they did go for it, and it backfired. King under center falls down. The running, track, running back tried to push him, and it he may have pushed him there. to the ground. And I think Bowling Green got a stop here. Yeah, he de it was definitely the running back that pushed him to the ground. They tried to tush push, and I don't think they got a push. Well, it's going to all depend on how the guy saw it to spot it. Yeah, they're going to measure, that's for sure. They did measure, and it was short, and Bowling Green had held and got the ball back with the two-score lead intact. And very soon it would be a three-score game. But it didn't look like it was going to be a touchdown drive. Soon thereafter, a holding penalty dropped Bowling Green back to its own eight with a third and 16. And nobody in the world thought that quarterback Connor Bazelak with that bum right leg would run a cue draw and get the first down. But he did. Connor looking to throw. He's going to run up the middle and probably slide here pretty quick. No, he puts his head down and gets across the 20 to the 24-yard line. And he got 16, and that's going to be a first down. My goodness, he got just enough. Connor Bazelak, what bad leg. Great run by Connor Bazelak, and the drive would continue on a third and 12 thereafter because of a defensive holding penalty. And Bowling Green would take advantage. Finn Hogan with another big gainer, a 23-yarder. Terrion Stewart, an 11-yard run. And then Teron Keith got in on the fun to make it first and goal. They motion Osborne all the way into the backfield. Fake it to him. Boot right. Check it down to TK. Teron Keith, 20, 15, 10. Out of bounds near the 5. Teron Keith with a big gainer. They ran that motion to the left. And then booted out and threw it to TK to the right, and it's a gain of 28 to the six, first and goal. After an incomplete pass on second and goal at the six, the Falcons would give it to number four. Hand off to Stewart, bounces right. Terry on, Stewart's got a touchdown! BGSU! He's done it again, and Bowling Green leads 30 to 14 with 313 to go in the third quarter. How about an 11-play, 86-yard touchdown drive in five minutes and six seconds? Wow, BG taking it to them. Now leading 31-14, you really thought that this was going to be, with no question, a Bowling Green win. And on the ensuing possession, the defense added an exclamation point. Fake handoff, Haynes King throwing right side, intercepted. That's Deshaun Jones with the pick at the Georgia Tech 40. Deshaun Jones, 20, 15, he's going to house this bad boy. Touchdown, BGSU. Deshaun Jones has a touchdown. Are you kidding me? 37-14 Bowling Green with 2.28 to play in the third. How about that? The Falcons fairly dominating this game. After that, Georgia Tech put together a quick touchdown drive to make it 38-20 right at the end of the third quarter, but they really would not threaten the Falcons in the fourth. They scored a TD with a minute and a half to go to make it 38-27, but then the Falcons recovered the onside kick and went into victory formation. There's the kick on the ground, bouncing through, fielded by Odu Hilaire, 
and Bowling Green is going to win it here in Atlanta. The onside kick recovered near midfield, and now it's victory formation for Bowling Green. The Falcons, a 21-point underdog, coming here to Bobby Dodd Stadium. Got thumped at home last week by Ohio, 38-7. But they come to Atlanta, and Connor Bazelak takes a knee, and the Bowling Green Falcons dominate the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. 38 unanswered points, and they win it 38-27 after falling behind 14-0. One of the most improbable wins in Bowling Green football history. And I dare say, after the first five minutes, Bowling Green was the best team on the field, and it was not close. As we look back to Saturday's big win at Georgia Tech, we now have Coach Scott Leffler's post-game media briefing. Um, super happy for our team. Um, Brent is a good friend of mine, head coach at Georgia Tech, and uh, they'll bounce back, and they're going to have a good football team. They got the right head coach here. He's a uh, really good coach, and uh, but uh, super proud of our team, and uh, that's who we are. Uh, I've said it a thousand times. We're a team that uh, can go out and do what we did last week and a team that can uh, go beat a Power 5 team. And uh, I said it to them in there. We've been here before. We went and beat Minnesota, and then uh, the next week came, up, came out and completely laid an egg. And uh, our challenge is now to see if we could put it back-to-back. -back. And uh, uh, that's hard to do right now. Uh, college football is different. Just like I said to you last, last week when we – played terrible um, college football is a week in week out your mind's got to be right your heart and and uh has got to be right and uh you got to be a selfless team guy to uh to get things done and that's who we have to be well we're, we're never going to out talent anyone uh but we're going to be uh, a team that has enough talent but we have to play team football and we played team football today if you look at the stats time of possessions was um uh, 42 minutes to 17, uh, ran the ball really well, threw the ball really well, was 10 to 17 on uh, third down. Our defense got off the field. I think uh, the fourth down stop was absolutely pivotal in terms of uh, which that led to the, the pick six, which was huge. And then I also thought the, uh, uh, the last drive of, with the offense was huge. I think it was 11 plays. We uh, chipped away at the clock protected the ball and uh, we punted the ball well special teams were good so let's go uh, see if we can put it back to back against a team very similar to OU uh, in terms of they're super disciplined super good team and uh, we got to go down to um, um, Miami and play our best football because um, they're good what was the message when Georgia Tech scores two touchdowns in the opening five minutes? Obviously, fell behind early, but to respond the way you did was, was obviously impressive. We're good at falling behind 14 and then coming back. I mean, you look at all the, the games that we've won, it's been that way. I mean, the big ones in terms of, you know, we, we gave up the first. Uh, they had a really good play call. We were actually going to run the same exact call against them in this game, and they opened up with it. And uh, they caught us in quarter, quarter, half. Our half field safety didn't do a very good job, and uh, they beat the quarter safety and uh, had a great explosion play. So overall, um, great team win. Happy for Bowling Green. And now uh, the challenge is uh, I'm already on to the next, to be quite honest with you, because I would. this is really critical, in my opinion, for our team to see if we can put two back-to-back -back and uh, – like I said, I've been saying this over and over again. When our mind's right, when our heart's right, when we're uh, doing things the right way, we're okay. We're pretty good. Did you feel like the mental toughness was there all week for this team leading up to this game? Sure. <laughs> I, I, it's crazy. You know, it's, it's getting to the game. It's having a clear mind. Not being selfish. I keep saying it. Uh, when our mind's right and we're focused on each other, and that's who we have to be. I keep going back to it. We are not going to go 
be like uh, the, some of these power foul teams and just out-talent you. That's on us. It's never been Bowling Green. Look at when Bowling Green's won here. They've had good teams. Uh, good talent, not the best talent, and uh, play good football, man. Are there any defensive adjustments you made after those first two drives? Because obviously you're able to put some pressure on the quarterback, force a couple three and outs. Anything defensively that stood out after that? I thought uh, we did a really good job of mixing in uh, – pressure and uh, we haven't really been a pressure organization around here and I think we need to be and uh, it was obviously you know the, the critical one at the end of half was a max pressure and um, they weren't ready for it and even if you don't get home being an offensive coach when you get an 11 up heat on third and 16 you're you constantly have to have contingency plans for that blitz because not too many people do it and uh, so, yeah, it was good. I thought it was a great call. Finn Hogan, huge game. Obviously, the touchdown, one-handed touchdown catch was, was enormous. Just how big was that play and how big was his performance? Uh, obviously, a career day for him. Yeah, I want to talk about, before we talk about his play, um, he came here and uh, he was gracious to come here and uh, earned a scholarship here. Uh, was a walk-on at Central Michigan, and uh, he is exactly what we're looking for. And what I mean by that is he is a team dude. He is smart. He is tough. We'll eventually get him to be 245 pounds, and he'll play in the NFL someday. Not at wideout, but he'll play at that U position. I mean, he is smart, tough, and he's not big enough yet. But it, he got pushed in the role because Harold was hurt. And, uh, um, but he exemplifies everything we want in our program. He's a good student. He does things great off the field. He's um, just a top, top-notch guy. And normally when you're like that, you play really well. And um, so he played really well. And he'll continue to play really well. And then obviously a guy like Terion Stewart had 26 carries today. Was that the, the game plan to get him the ball? He had a big reception. Yeah, you know what we've got to do, and um, we uh, we don't um, – when you look at the game plans, uh, we're very critical of, of our game plans. We literally count how many plays that uh, um, we didn't give the kids a chance. And uh, – We've been putting, believe it or not, some really, really good game plans together. And uh, But the one error that we've been making is not getting him the ball enough. And uh, he's got to get the ball. He's a good football player. Um, like I've said, uh, we win three more games last year if he's around. Uh, but, you know, we need to put the ball in his hands. He's a good player, and he's really grown up, and I'm really, really, really proud of him. The way that uh, he was a 3-4 student. He was a 3-4 student last semester. I mean, that is awesome. So, as you can see, when you do things well in the classroom and well off the field, it's fascinating how it transitions to the field. And just, I mean, the way he runs, I mean, the way he broke so many tackles. It's a pain I mean, in the so ass. He's a pain in the ass to tackle. He's the uh, steroid uh, gerbil. I mean, he's this big dude that's 5'4". And you can't tackle him. He's a bowling ball. He's a really good player. He's awesome. We love him. How do you feel like the, the front and on the passing game and the running game? We played, we, played, uh, we played like we're supposed to play, to be honest with you. But the thing that we've got to eliminate is uh, the stupid penalties with our hands. We're lazy with our hands at times. We don't put our hands inside. Um, of course, I've got to complain about something, so I'm going to complain about that. You know, we got to we got to reduce the penalties. There was too many first downs that we had, where the drive. We're now we're back in for first and twenty, and having to fight our way back into being on on schedule. So uh, we got to get rid of the damn penalties. So. And so rushing, big rushing plays from both quarterbacks. I think Connor and Cam both mixed them. Yeah, Cam gave or uh, Connor gave a little limp leg on that uh, the QB draw. I said to Max, I go, the entire stadium is not expecting this. And I go, I'm not expecting this. And it was just a great call. And we've been working on it all week. We thought the the Q draw, um, they were really susceptible on third down and 11 plus. And it's a safe call. We're in a backed up situation. That was a huge deal. And Connor gave him a little limp leg. Camden obviously ran really hard. I know he had 
kind of took one big hit. Is he is he still good and everything? Yeah, yeah, he's right. fine. And we were planning on playing Cam more. Uh, we just got into a routine. Um, you know, Connor, in my opinion, and I have to watch the tape at the beginning of the game, didn't play great, I don't think. And then as the game went, really uh, fell into his own, which uh, we got to get him off to a fast start. And uh, But I'm really proud of how he played. I mean, what was he? 21 of 33, no picks. What do you throw for? 263, something like that? Yeah, it's a hell of a, hell of a day. Hell of a day. I really like... Just like I said, I really like the time of possession. I like the third down. I love the uh, red area, five of five in the red. So that was a good day. Good day. We had a good game plan for them on third down, um, but uh, we've had a good game plan on third down every time, and then we're twenty three percent. It's like, what the hell are we doing? Um, no, we, we had a, a good plan, and uh, they executed, and uh, they did a great job with the execution. Also, we were able to get a sneak peek into the locker room after the game, and Coach Leffler had these words for the team. This team can do anything it wants to. Anything it wants to. It's between our ears, 100%. It's not being selfish. It's being a team. We played team football today. Good special teams, good offense, good defense. Team football, team football. And what we got to do is continue. Now, my challenge is this. I've got only one. We got to put it back to back. We have not done that in our program yet. Listen to me, we have not done it. We have not done it. We've got to be able to put two back to back. What a great win on Saturday, and now it's time to turn the page. Earlier this week, I was able to catch up with a couple of our Falcons, a quarterback, Connor Bazelak, and defensive tackle, Anthony Hawkins. Quarterback, Connor Bazelak, joining us now. And, of course, uh, the Falcons coming off a huge win at Georgia Tech. And, you know, it's interesting. I talked with Coach Saturday morning about the preparation and if he felt like his team was ready, and he said, you know, I don't know. It seemed like we prepared the same way. Um, was there a point in that game where you felt like the light came on or a point during last week where this team figured something out? And if they did, what was it? Yeah, I think it was just uh, sticking to our preparation, um, you know, not trying to change up anything, do anything different, uh, trusting in our preparation and, you know, in our talent and, you know, in what we do and just go, going out there and executing. Um, you know, obviously, it was it was – not looking good to start the game, <laughs> um, but it, sh- it shows how how this team, the guys, how we can handle that type of adversity, um, not blink, um, and then you know, find a way to, to get points on the board and continue to build on that. And I think after <clears throat> it was 17-14 at half, and then you know we get the ball uh, start of the second half and, and go down and score, and. Uh, I, I knew right then that, that we were going to win that game. So, um, yeah. Clearly, though, the early punches, as you said, you're down 14 nothing, and you know the team had been outscored 76 to seven at that point mm-hmm. since the second half of the Michigan game. When you guys put together that first drive to get some points on the board, was there a little extra emphasis before that possession? Hey, we got to get something going here. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, against Ohio. Um, Liberty, we, we didn't start fast. We didn't, you know, we had to play from behind, and it's never easy doing that. But um, I, guess, I guess we had some experience in doing that. So <laughs> maybe it helped us uh, this past week. So, um, no, credit, to, credit to, to my teammates, all the guys, uh, not blinking, staying aggressive, um, just doing our thing. Obviously, you're, you're, kind of on a busted wheel I mean it's obvious to when you know we see a walk or run but um, obviously you got a chance to get that cue draw um, did did you know that was the play beforehand or did you read that take me back through that yeah that's a play that that we've repped and um, it was a great time for it. Their, their defense was just dropping dropping back in coverage so um, you know, I think I think that's the longest 
third down conversion of my career. So uh, maybe the longest rush, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was, it was you know, I just had to, I, I didn't really know where I was. I just knew it was 17 yards and I, I, I had to get it. So you know, I did whatever, whatever I could, whatever it took to, to get the first down. Let's turn the page. Let me ask you about Miami. Always a very solid defensive team, and uh, it's hard to beat them. What have you seen from watching them? Yeah, they're they're a really really good team, good solid team. Um, you know, you know, like Ohio, they're they're tough, physical, uh, play well up front, active uh, up front and in the back end. Uh, good linebackers. Um, they they read read run pass well. Uh, so it's going to be a great challenge for us. And, um, you know, like I said last week, going into Georgia Tech, it's, it's, it's a lot about us, not about them. So if we can, if we can just do, do stuff right on our end, um, you know, I think it shows what, what we did last week that we can beat anybody. So um, it's, all, it's all about us. Connor, great to have you with us again. Congrats on last week and, more importantly, beat Miami. Yep, no doubt. Thank you. Now visiting with Anthony Hawkins as the Falcons look back to the win over Georgia Tech but get ready to get back into MAC play. And, you know, that's something that's maybe the hardest thing to do in sport when you win a big game, whether it's conference or not, to come back the next week and not sort of be satisfied. Uh, what, personally for you, how, are, how do you turn the page on things? Uh, I try to enjoy it as much as I can Saturday night, you know, have fun with the guys and celebrate. But, you know, once it's over, once we come in on Sunday, it's, it's time to get back to work and get ready for the next week. Well, when you think about how things played out over the last three games, the, the beginning of that Georgia Tech game had to creep in. Here we go again. What, was there a turning point in your mind where the, the team, sort of the collective psyche, said, hey, we're back in this game? I think when it happens, of course, you know, it's, it's shocking. But as a team and as a defense, for sure, you know, we said it all week. It's adversity, you know, good and bad is going to happen. It's football. But just stay the course, stay consistent, and just keep working, keep fighting, and we'll find a way. You know, Georgia Tech, I thought, ran their tempo very well and might have taken a little while to get used to that in real time. I know you repped it and talked about it and everything, but was there a, maybe a little bit of acclimation period for you guys to adjust to how they did it? Uh, yeah, it's an acclimation for sure. You can't really prepare for it as much as you as much as you try to in practice. It's hard to prepare for. But the biggest thing you can do against Tempo is just win first down, win first down, and get them behind the schedule. And you guys did that a lot. And you know, defensively, of course, you end up with the pick six to kind of seal it. But was there a, a point you kind of remember after that initial shock that you come off the field and say, "Hey, we we got this figured out now." When you really turned it around in your mind that like you were the the better unit here. Uh, just having that confidence, you know, I feel like it wasn't anything that Georgia Tech did. It was what we did. So it was, it's pretty much us versus us. You know, how can we correct ourselves and come back better? And once we did that, I think we got rolling. What do you think about Miami? Clearly, uh, Falcons got them last year. That's always a good one to get. And uh, you kind of know what you're getting with Miami. A lot of the same guys as last year. But what do you see as the key for the defense to have a good game against the Red Hawks? Uh, stop the run, you know get them in passing downs and got to get after the quarterback they have a pretty good quarterback so we gotta gotta find a way to affect them and clearly when you look at coming back into mac play again you, you sort of have that familiarity it's different than last week uh, do you find that it's easier for you to prepare when you have a, a team like miami you've seen before or do you like the challenge of diving into somebody new like georgia tech uh, playing against new teams are always fun, but, you know, once you get in the MAC play, like we talked before earlier, every week is a dogfight. So I like preparing for those games and playing those games more. Anthony, hopefully come out with another W this week. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. John Gibson joins me now, and we reflect on a quite remarkable victory for Bowling Green as they defeated Georgia Tech. And Gibby, you know, it's hard to imagine a team getting outscored 76 to seven and then scoring 38 straight points, but Bowling Green did that. And I mean, we joked about Jekyll and Hyde during the game, but that team pulled itself out of the fire. Um, I'm not sure if there was a precipitating incident or what happened there, but it certainly was just in the nick of time. Are you still trying to figure this out and let the shock wear off? Yeah, I'm really trying to figure out what is the trigger. What is it that 
is what how can we need to bottle up whatever took place in the last 55 minutes of that game on Saturday and try to make them drink that before every game because it it was different it was literally like two different teams uh you know in that in that last 55 minutes yeah and clearly i think part of it is we talked about during the game they finally uh, we saw it become the Terry on Stewart show I, i'm not saying they were misusing him in other games, but I think uh, that they feel comfortable now that he's at a place physically and mentally where they can really ride that horse, so to speak, and they gave it to him, I think it was 26 times, and I think they've been a bit reluctant to put that many carries on a guy in a game before, but uh, it seems that we've turned the corner to pretty much the run game is going to be Terry on Stewart and then a few other guys to spell him here and there. And I think that's the best way to go. I know as a running back, you know, it's a rhythm it's a rhythm thing. When you know you're getting the ball or, or you know that you've got twenty carries, it's a lot different than when it's uh when it's running back by committee and you've got seven, eight guys that may wind up with four carries or more. Um or excuse me, if you got four or five guys that may wind up with four carries or more. But, you know, I think Terry on Stewart is a linchpin. He just does so many things with the football. You know, he's got that spin move to make people miss down pat. He can run with power. You saw him literally lay out a couple of defensive backs. He's just a bowling ball. He's a low to really try to tackle, especially for players who play at the two at the second and third levels. You know, if you want to stop a Terry on Stewart, you pretty much have to win at the def- on the defensive line. And, you know, the other thing that was impressive is they threw him that ball downfield that he made a nice grab on. He's not been featured very often in the pass game, and I think that's another wrinkle that got thrown out there in that Georgia Tech game that other teams are going to have to be wary of now. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen, you know, I had never seen him, you know, really be a factor in the passing game, maybe a screen here or there as I think back. But, you know, having him downfield catching big play, catching big play, of course, that's something that the defense is going to have to watch for. Uh, and it keeps them honest that, you know, we will pass the ball with number fours in the game, you know, because I think what's going to happen now is you're probably going to see Teron Keith uh, kind of settle in as a third down change of pace back. For the record, that was his first reception of the season to buttress that point. So, you know, the other thing that I think stood out from that game, well, two things, uh, the emergence of Finn Hogan and also a, a gutty high-level performance by Connor Bazelak. You know, we obviously we know he's not 100%. You don't have to be a doctor to watch him run or move on the field. That right leg obviously is a hindrance to some degree. But when he needed 16 yards on that Q draw, he got 16 yards and an inch. You know, he he ran the touchdown in from a yard out. Uh, I don't know that maybe the team needed convincing. I don't know that they did. But maybe if there were still some people wondering if Connor Bazelak could carry this team down the road here to maybe a, a MAC championship or a very productive winning season, those thoughts were dispelled on Saturday, right? I think, you know, we've probably been looking at Connor Bays like as a game manager. Um, not necessarily a guy that's gonna go out there and win a game for you. And we saw in the second half of the game this this uh, last week, that Connor Bazelak can go out and win games for you. Like you, you mentioned that third and sixteen play. I mean, I, we we're you know we've gotten we got spoiled for a while. You know, when you think about the Josh Harris's and the Omar Jacobs and the Matt Matt Johnsons, and you think about these guys who, you know, have been really good quarterback. We've gotten used to really good quarterback play. And, you know, that's a lot for a quarterback to live up to, and it's good to see Connor Bays like take that step to being a guy that's at that level where we can really count on him, speak, you know, to, to make plays for us. And then, of course, Finn Hogan, who got a lot of love for the one-handed touchdown grab, and deservedly so. Uh, Coach talked about how they think he'll – get a little bigger and become that hybrid position they really like in their offense. But we saw him emerge, and a lot of this has to do with all the attention that Odu Hilaire has been drawing. Other guys have opportunities, and Finn Hogan made it count against Georgia Tech. 
Yeah, I mean, we saw the ball go sparingly in the direction of number one, and because they were taking him away, there were a couple of plays we saw, you know, where Connor actually took a took a shot, and you know he was bracketed or you know he's some form of double covered. And so, with that being said, that means that there has to be other receivers that are going to stop up. And I think you saw Finn Hogan really become one of those guys, and he did a lot of lining up at that at that that that. That slot, not not quite a slot, like a wing back position. He did a lot of lining up at that wing back position, which is probably where he's projecting to. I mean, he's a kid that's six feet five inches tall, and you know he's got it. He says two fifteen in the program, but you know that basically is you know. And then listening to coach afterwards saying they see him as a two hundred forty pound guy with that kind of height. I mean, he could be that next uh, really good tight end within the program. Uh, you know, it's really going to be great to see him when Harold. Fanning's healthy and see both of those guys on the field at one time, now it makes it a lot more difficult to take away Odu Hilaire, or you're going to get ate up by a big guys that can make plays. So, you know, you have to have another guy step up. When you have a receiver as good as Hilaire, you have to have multiple guys that are prepared, because now you're, you should be having one-on-one coverage against subpar defenders. Well, you know, the offense obviously got a lot of love for their explosiveness that scored 38 straight points. But the other thing that happened, Gibby, after really struggling to rein in Georgia Tech the first two times they had the ball, the defense went three and out, three and out, one first down and the bad punt snap, and then a little bit of a drive but another punt. So really four straight punts after they scored the first two times, and that is what allowed, I think, Bowling Green to really take control because – even if the offense kind of started to get it figured out, which they did, if the defense hadn't been able to hold serve at that point, you'd still be down at halftime a touchdown or 10 points. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, what was what was really interesting about what the defense did is you saw guys make plays at all three levels. Um, you saw... Um, you saw, you know, Billy Roberts get in there, Jordan Porter get in there. Uh, you saw guys from the defensive line, Cassius Howe, uh, make big plays in the backfield. But then there were several plays that were, you know, I keep thinking about Darren Anders and he was able to make a tackle on a, like it was a stretch play. They were trying to get to the outside, but then, and the guy's trying to hook Darren Anders, but he wouldn't, Darren wouldn't allow himself to be hooked and eventually makes the T, makes a TFL two, three yards. And then you've got the receive. Then you've got the defensive backs that were back there. Jordan Olin Dolkin got an interception. Deshaun Jones got the interception and took it to the house. You know, you you got guys from all over the field that are making plays. Um, when you when your defense is going like that, it's very very. You know, it's those those runs where you go four or five straight three and outs or, or just shutting down three or four drives in a row. That's not uncommon because you literally. You know, that was we've seen good performances from this defense. I'm thinking about the first uh, half of the Michigan game. I think that they played on that level, but they played it for four quarters. Well, they had uh, Georgia Tech had six straight possessions where they did not score the two three and outs and then uh, the one first down and the bad punt snap off the up man. Uh, Then another punt. Then they turned it over on downs in BG territory in the third quarter. Then an interception. So this uh, Bowling Green defense... uh, They had their moments early where it was a little shaky, and Georgia Tech's overall numbers, they gained seven yards per play, but they had a couple of big plays late that kind of padded that. The bottom line is the defense looked great, and so did the offense. So now, Gibby, as we saw Coach talking to the team in the postgame, they got to do this again, And, and that's the real challenge for this group of guys. We've seen them sporadically play great games. Even last year, uh, you know, they could not seem to string high-level performances together, although they did put together a little winning streak last year. A couple of those games were real squeakers. Uh, Now, how does this team keep it going, Gibby? It's all about mentality is what Coach says. And that's exactly what – that's the right answer, Todd. Um, Those guys have got to figure out a way to bring this level of performance. Because if I'm a coach watching this, you know, I'm kind of like, hey, you know, you see the Ohio game and you're like, oh, yeah, this team's extremely beatable. They'll give up. 
And then you see the Georgia Tech game, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I've got to coach the best game that I've ever coached and hope for some luck. And so somewhere in between there, you've got to find, you've got to find a comfortable place of playing high-level football uh, at all times. And that is going to be the challenge. And this is where you're going to see the, you put the onus on the old guys in the locker room and on the coaching staff. I mean, coach has got to figure out, what did I do on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of the Georgia Tech week that I can duplicate here for Miami because, you know, we still got a chance to win the East. You never know what happens with Ohio. Um, but we, you know, the rest of our season starts on Saturday and we can't have a duplicate of that Ohio performance. And it's very, and, and it can happen very easily because Miami's a house of whores for Bowling Green historically over the years. For sure. They've got to find a way to get this done and, you're right. Let the chips fall where they may after that as far as catching Ohio since you've already lost to them. But there are still seven Mid-American Conference games to go. And it's, I guess we'll find out, Gibby, but a, a win like that Georgia Tech win can just swing the entire feel of a season and a team's collective psyche with the one game. Uh, and I guess that's where we presume they're going to be now. They have to use that game as their standard of doing things now, right? Well, yeah. I, I, I mean, this is. I think the team that play, came out, you know, with 55 minutes left in that Georgia Tech game, that's the same team that we saw in the second half of the Liberty game. You know, the this team, you know, that's the same team we saw in the first half and the uh, first half of the Michigan game. This team has the ability, has shown that we've got the ability to do these things. You know, they've got the ability to go out there and make plays. It's now you've got to do it every, you've got to do it every time out. It's not about turning it off and turning it on. That has to be your standard. That's what, that's what you expect for yourself. That's what your fans expect to see. And, you know, given how topsy turvy the first six weeks of this game, this season has been, and where we were after the Liberty game and where we were after the Ohio game to say that and then say, Hey, we can still finish the second half, of, the first half of the year at 500 with a chance to go out, become bowl eligible and still compete in the Mac East. I, I don't think that, you know, I, I don't think you can ask for much more after the ups and downs we went through in the first six weeks. Give me final thoughts. Uh, we've harped on the offensive line throughout the season and it looks like, now they've pretty much settled on a, a seven-man rotation. Uh, the center and the tackles are pretty much constant with Alex Paget and then Walshlager and Cam Stewart holding those down. But between the four of Fadukasi and uh, Nate Pabst and Bronson Warner and Jake Burns in there at the guard spots, that, that offensive line seems to have found a bit of a rhythm itself, and that's always good. Yeah, and I tell you what, I was paying attention to to that rotation, and I, I it was interesting because you saw successful running plays with all of those guys in there. You saw successful pass protection with all of those guys. So you know, if, if rolling those guards is what works, then let's keep rolling them. Um, but you saw. Big plays. You saw, you know, again, I was very just happy to see that they we were able to pick up that the end, the end, the tight end, or excuse me, the DN and tackle stunts because there was a point in time during Liberty and you saw it again during Ohio where when the when the defensive tackle went away, the guard stayed on him and wasn't prepared for the stunt stunt coming back. And I don't know if that was the guard tackles not communicating or what was happening, but you know, I knew that that was something you're going to see. And when I saw it against Georgia Tech and I saw us pick it up, I was like, oh, okay, we're definitely playing at a different level now. And, you know, I think that offensive line is the key. They've got to be able to continue creating lanes to run in and giving Bays like a chance to throw the football. If they can continue that, we can win a lot of games this year. Well, hopefully they can win one on Saturday. That would be at Miami. And, of course, we all know about uh, Gibby's uh, Feelings toward Miami. We'll talk more about those on Saturday in Ox Vegas. Gibby, we'll see you down there. Looking forward to it, Todd. I've already written the pregame haiku. I'm ready to go. Nice. We're going to find out about the Red Hawks now. Terry Bridge with the Miami radio crew joins us. And Miami having a fine season after 
losing at the other Miami to start the season. They've reeled off four wins in a row, including beating Cincinnati for the first time since 2005 and last week opening Mac play with a 23-3 win over Kent State in Kent. So, uh, Terry, I guess uh, just as an overview, it appears that this Miami team is, again, built to contend for the MAC championship here. Well, you know, the, defensively, Miami's playing extremely good football. I mean, you know, and had a huge win over Cincinnati, as you mentioned. You know, I, I think if they could go back, and you can't do this, but replay that Miami-Florida game, it might be a little bit different. I'm not saying that uh, the Red Hawks would, would beat the Hurricanes, but I think things would be a little bit different. Um, you know, when you lose a, a tight end like uh, Jack Coldiron, veteran player, lost him uh, in that uh, game against the Hurricanes, that definitely hurt us offensively. But then there's been some big plays made by Gage Larvidan um, and then I, I love the other wide receivers. You know, Gage didn't play last week, and other guys stepped up. And, you know, there were some drops, but there were certainly some big plays made by those other receivers. But I love us defensively. That's where the uh, most of the experience was going to be on that side of the football. And they certainly played lights out after the first drive of the Kent State Golden Flashes on Saturday. Yeah, 23-3 to win. The Red Hawks held Kent to 206 yards of offense. And when you look at the offense for Miami, then a returning quarterback in Brett Gabbert, but he's battled injury throughout his career. And, uh, you know, maybe he's still not hundred percent back to where he, he was before, or maybe he is. So give me your take on what he's bringing to the table. I think physically Brett is definitely back. I mean, if you watch the Cincinnati tape and the ones that he made and, when his number is called to run a quarterback keep or quarterback draw, you know, Brett's a gamer. He's one of the toughest kids that I think you're ever going to meet in playing college football. He doesn't back down from anybody. I think he's making pretty good reads pre and post snap. He certainly has the experience to play quarterback, but, and you well know, man, if you've got a good QB and a guy that uh, has got some backbone, uh, back there in that position, he can certainly take you a long way. But I, I love Brett Gabbert, and uh, I think he's playing really, really good football and, and at times throwing the football away, which is what he ought to do. So, you know, Brett's back. I guarantee you that. He's 100%. So don't mention injury anymore, Todd Walker. Because <laughs> <Yeah. Well, I laughs> you're right. He's had a, he's had a little bit of an injury-riddled injury, uh, uh, career. Yeah, well, he's certainly not alone in that department among quarterbacks in the MAC. And uh, Terry Bridge is with us from the Miami radio team uh, talking about the Red Hawks. And you, know, you mentioned the defense. It certainly seems that this team is playing to the defense. In other words, a uh, – low possession game and and hold the ball if you can and don't take a bunch of chances and don't turn it over and and let the defense win games is that sort of their mo yeah a little bit and it has been you know i think for chuck martin uh you know he was coaching the defense he's now really uh coaching the offense every day in practice but uh bill breakin is doing a fantastic job who has been right next to chuck martin over the last few years as far as you know um, running the defense and, and, and putting together the defensive game plan. But, you know, you have to have players to, to get it done. You know that as well as I do. And Miami certainly had a lot of people coming back on the defensive side of the ball. And I think, you know, obviously they're led by a, a great linebacker in Matt Salopek. What a great player. And if you stood next to him, you'd say, wow, he's your best player. But you talk about the heart of a lion, and you've seen those guys in the past. They don't look like that. They're the, they're the guy, you know, the dude. But he is the guy. He leads that defense. Uh, he'll smack you around a little bit, but then the front four for Miami, uh, it's pretty good. Uh, if you look down there at Austin Ertle and Kobe Hilton, who are fifth-year seniors and you know, they're getting it done down inside the defensive ends. Then Ty Wise at a, a linebacker and then Mike Dahl. There's some experienced, um, good football players on that side of the football. Terry, uh, case in point, last week against Kent, the Red Hawks had seven sacks and 11 tackles for loss. So 
another five pass breakups, a couple of quarterback hurries. And the, the one thing this defense hasn't done a lot of is turn the opponents over. They've only forced five turnovers, but uh, maybe that's just because they're not a huge risk-taking defense. But is that something you think is going to come as just kind of happenstance? They haven't forced a bunch of turnovers? Well, they preach about it all the time in practice. I tell you, I can hear it. You know, hey, we need takeaways. We need takeaways. And, you know, uh, their goal this week, I, you know, they they, they want to get four. That's what they want. They want four takeaways this week. And, you know, I, it, it's funny with, with turnovers, you know, it's it's just that precise timing of, of where does the running back have the ball and does somebody punch it out? Does somebody get to the quarterback without him knowing and then slap it out of his hand? Or you, you know how that works. But Miami, over the last couple of years, has done that. They have been able to take the football away and then capitalize on it. I'll tell you one of the biggest things uh, for Kent State is, man, they just had to replace every person, on uh, every player on their offensive side. 11 newcomers. Yeah. And that's going to take a while. Yeah. Um, they're trying to run a lot of the same offense, and, and you know and I know, hey, uh, Colin Shalee and, and Dustin Crum, those two quarterbacks were really good for Kent State. And they, they, they had it down pat of what they wanted to do offensively. I'm not sure that Mike, uh, I think it's Mike uh, 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 Alimo, uh, it's going to take him a while to grow into this thing. Terry, is specifically now when uh, Miami's uh, talking about the matchup with Bowling Green, clearly the Falcons' performance this past Saturday opened some eyes. Uh, what are some of the matchup concerns that uh, they're talking about in Oxford? Well, I think your running game, I think what I watched you guys, you know, after you got down 14 to nothing, your offensive line and, and your running backs did a nice job, um, you know, getting the ball, you know, to the edge and, and being able to win that edge a lot against Georgia Tech and then the blocking straight up front sometimes. I, I thought from what I saw on tape, you guys started dominating that football game and you dominated it right there at the line of scrimmage. And then you have a couple of quarterbacks that do a couple of different things. One's a thrower, one's more of a runner, and, and I believe that's Orth. Uh, he's going to run the football, almost line up in a wildcat. He's going to take off. So, you know, and then defensively, you guys, you know, you took it to Georgia Tech. Right after they got up 14 nothing. you pretty much shut them down. So there's some definitely some big concerns for Miami, I'm looking for a big crowd. I think Bowling Green is going to bring some people down to Oxford. It's family weekend for uh, the Red Hawks, so should be an exciting day, no question. Terry, final thought, uh, even though they've only lost And one. congratulations, by the way, on that win. How about that? You get an ACC opponent. I love it. Anytime the Mid-American Conference can strike one of them down, we get Cincinnati, Big 12, Ohio gets Iowa State, Big 12. Yeah, that's outstanding. Yeah, it was uh, a similar sentiment when you guys beat Cincinnati. I remember that night we saw the finalists. Like, man, it's about time. Uh, 15, 16, 20 years, whatever it was, it'd been too long. Oh yeah, five, I guess, would have been. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was four, crazy. Victory six, Bell was back up in Oxford. I, I, hey, I know your plane ride was very sweet coming yeah, back. Wasn't it? it was indeed for sure. <laughs> Terry, final thing, uh, when Miami has had struggles this year, even though they're 4-1, and one, are there some common denominators of things that uh, BG might be able to try and do? Well, I think, you know, running the football, you know, we I think that Bowling Green, if they play like they did uh, last Saturday against Georgia Tech, you know, running the football is a very concerning thing, I think, because you can control the game. You control the game with, with the line of scrimmage and running the football. And then getting some of your guys out in some space. Uh, your quarterback uh, didn't look like he threw the ball badly at all and made some nice completions. You guys run some motion. You run five wides. You run empties. You run two backs in the backfield. There's a lot of film study that has to take place for the Miami players to be able to defend the Bowling Green Falcons offense. That's Terry Bridge with the Miami Radio Crew. Terry, we will see you in Oxford on Saturday. Hey, man, look forward to it.
Wow, jam-packed Ziggy cast this time around. Looking back to the win over Georgia Tech and previewing uh, the game at Miami Saturday. Thanks to Terry Bridge from the Red Hawks radio crew. Also, thanks to my broadcast partner, John Gibson, and Falcons, Connor Bazelak and Anthony Hawkins for joining me this week. We will be in Oxford on Saturday. Pre-game at 2.30, our best Western pre-game and kickoff set for 3.30. As for the Ziggy cast, we'll return next week hopefully reviewing a win over Miami, and we will look ahead then to the game at Buffalo. A reminder, you can download our Ziggy Cast or all the usual podcast haunts, iHeart, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Give us a great rating and pass along the word to your Falcon friends about the BGSU Ziggy Cast. Until next time, this is Todd Walker saying hi, Ziggy Zumba. Thanks for listening to the BGSU Ziggy Cast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation.